0: Feels good to be in God's house today, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Well, thank all of you for being here. Appreciate you, all of our guests. We welcome you. I want to say to Nathan and to Kate and to Brother Reno, you guys did a phenomenal job last night. and really appreciate it. I know Nathan is going to be mad at me for saying this, but he'll get over it. But they made a huge investment last night. Yes, we received an offering, but none of their band made any money last night. They just wanted to come and give back to this church in Southwest Louisiana. And then they, Nathan and and their family paid for all the hotel rooms and all the food for this band that came Jackson Heights, and then they just took the bare minimum just just to say that uh, they wanted to invest in Southwest Louisiana, and I do appreciate Nathan and, and his family, and I appreciate this, the presence of the Lord that I felt last night, and I just want to say thank you, Nathan, and your family for, for giving I feel the presence of the Lord here this morning. I do. And I'm thankful. Because I've been into some churches you just felt like you checked the box. and You walked out and you didn't really wasn't much different in the way you left and the way you came. I want y'all to feel my heart this morning. I'm so happy you're here. But I am not about Q Church. I'm a man just like you are. And I need the spirit of the living God to help me in my life. Just like you need the spirit of the living God to help you in yours. And I need a strength that's bigger than myself. I need the power of His might. And I'm just not real hasty to walk out from what I feel because I need it. But I want to talk to you out of my spirit and I pray that you will give me a few minutes. I'm going to take my thought from the book of Nehemiah chapter 4 and I'm going to talk about getting through discouragement. Now, I want to to preach to honest folk here. How many have ever been discouraged in your life? Let me see your hand. Sure you have. All of us. Because we're human. But I want to talk to you about how to get through it. Because some of you are there this morning. Father, I thank you for your spirit. It is such an honor for me. To get to come and stand before this great group of believers. Father, I ask you, please help me not to waste their time, but to say something of value that would encourage them and equip them for life. And We give you thanks and we give you praise. Everybody say amen. Amen. I bless you. You can be seated. Ladies and gentlemen, our life is not a 50-yard dash. I'm going to say that again. Our life is not a 50-yard dash. Life is not meant to be lived to see how quickly we can get through it. But rather, it is like a marathon. And as your pastor this morning... I want everyone in this room to finish strong. I'm going to say it again. I want everyone in this room to finish strong. But in order to finish strong, we all need some characteristics. We all need endurance. Jesus endured the cross. He didn't enjoy it. He endured it. We all need endurance. We need resilience. You're going to need to incorporate strong boundaries. And we all have to learn how to pace ourselves. See, many people start off great in life. Most people start off great. But it's in the middle. They mess up. And then they give up. Please hear me this morning. Giving up is always worse than messing up. Why do you say that? Because we've all messed up. We've all said it in a way that we could have said it better. We've all done it in a way we could have done it better. There's not one person in here, myself included, that wish we could press... Rewind on some things. We would have done it differently. We've all messed up. Because we're all human. But my prayer is today. That none of us give up. I don't want you to give up. Because. The enemy. Would love for you to. Give up. Can I get a witness? See. Brother. Carlton, I want you to come up, please. I want you to get down, please, and I want you to start giving me push-ups. <laughs> Y'all count them. I want a hundred. Now stop right there. Let me ask you a question. The first 10 probably wasn't a big deal for him. But where do you think he's going to be at about number 50? He's breathing hard up here right now. Yeah, he said, I'm not in shape. He said that I didn't. Where are you at right now? What number are we on? 21? 21? All right, you can stop. I don't want you to have a heart attack up here on the stage. What are you saying? I'm saying that most people can start out in life and about number 10 push up, they still have strength, but about number 55, what happens? They start getting tired, start getting fatigued. They start getting weary. And then guess what? They just say, I can't make a hundred. And you know what they do? They just give up. This is what I want to talk to you about this morning. It's not about how you start, ladies and gentlemen. It's not about how you start, because if you watch a race on TV, there may be 75 that start the Boston Marathon, but keep watching to the end. I guarantee you, 75 don't go across the finish line. You know why? Because somewhere in the middle, they get weary, they get tired, they get fatigued, and they say it's not worth it. I don't know how long I'm going to preach this morning, but I want to preach to somebody. you're, you're not 20 anymore. You may be 50. You may be 60. And now you're in the middle of life. And it's not as fun as it used to be. You can't even see the end. And the enemy's coming and he's telling you you can't make it. You don't have what it takes. But pastor came here this morning to tell you and to remind you that the devil is a liar. He that has start a good work in you. I'm going to look at some common causes for discouragement. And then I'm going to give you a few cures if I get that far. I'm going to take my thought from the book of Nehemiah chapter 4. Now, I'm going to give you just a little bit of background in Nehemiah. Here it is. The nation of Israel, the nation of Israel was conquered by the Babylonian Empire and they were taken into captivity. And so they lived in captivity for 70 years Then the Persians came along and they got strong enough to defeat the Babylonian Empire. And King Cyrus then had compassion on the Jews and he delivered the Jews. In other words, he let them go back to their homeland. Now, when the Jews went back to their homeland, which was Jerusalem, here's what they found they found their homes, their city, their walls, their temple, it was all in ruins. Every bit of it was in ruins. Why, Pastor? Because the Babylonian, uh, the Babylonians basically totally and completely destroyed it. But now here's the good news. God put a dream inside Nehemiah's heart. Never discount the power of a dream. God put a dream in Nehemiah's heart. And he said, Nehemiah, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and I want you to rebuild the walls. Now, here's where I want to pick up the story. The people of God start rebuilding the walls. Now, I don't know exactly how tall the wall was. I haven't researched that. But they started to rebuild the wall back to its original height. And halfway up, guess what happens? They get discouraged. The initial enthusiasm wears off. And the people start feeling tired and they want to give up. I want you to look at now Nehemiah 4 and 10. It should come up on the screen. Different translation, but it says what I needed to say. But then the people begin to complain. They said, we're tired. We're tired and we're worn out. And beside that, there's so much rubble and trash to be removed. We now realize we can't do this. We can't finish this wall. I'm going to ask you a question. Y'all be honest with me. How many of you ever, ever walked up a hill or walked up a mountain? Like you physically walked up a hill or walked up a mountain. Let me see your hand. Okay. Now be honest with me again. How many got halfway up? And when you got halfway up, you looked and thought, I'm already tired. Some of you are lying. You got halfway up that and you said, I'm already tired. And you know what you did? You made a judgment call. You looked up the rest of that hill or that mountain and you said this. I'm already tired. If I walk up to the top and then walk back down, I won't have any energy left. So i got to stop here halfway up so I can walk all the way back down. See, we don't call it a midlife crisis when you're 18. Because when you're 20, you think you got the world by the tail. Listen. Listen to me, please. If you need a solution to any problem, ask these three front rows. They got it. They know the answer, right? You could have asked me to preach a major meeting at 26 and buddy, I was ready. I could have solved your problem in 40 minutes or less. Now I'm thinking, what do I know? See, it's called midlife crisis for a reason because it's everybody can start out well. But that's where the enemy hits you is in the middle where you can't see the end, where you get discouraged. The most common reason we get discouraged is fatigue. Do you all have a few minutes for me? Why? Because we simply run out of energy. And we don't even think straight when we're tired. You may not think this is a very spiritual message, but I'm going to tell you one of the most spiritual things you can do is get some rest. This is a known fact. Americans are the most sleep deprived people on the planet. And all the research that I've done says that you and I, for the most part, need seven to eight hours of sleep at night. Some of you can get by from four to six. Hats off to you. But most of us need seven or eight. You need your rest. Why? Because the enemy will hit you when you are exhausted. Look at Deuteronomy up on the screen, 25 and 18. Here's what it says. Never forget how the Amalekites Attacked you when you were what? There you go. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Expect attacks anytime you're exhausted. Why? Because we're more vulnerable to temptation when we are exhausted. We are more irritable when we are tired. We need to be aware that fatigue makes us vulnerable to discouragement. Vince Lombardi, the famous coach, said this, that fatigue makes cowards of us all. I'm going to give you the cure for that in just a minute. Here is the second known reason for discouragement. It's called frustration. Frustration. When the project... Is taking longer than you ever anticipated for it to take. (laughs) Frustration. Mm. When we feel like we're always behind and we're never going to catch up. Frustration. I am a man of order and I am a man of cleanliness. And it grates on my ever loving last nerve to see one piece of trash around here. And that's all I have seen is trash and it grates on my nerves and I get frustrated and I go over there and I say, let's clean this place up. Why? Here's the deal. When you when me, when I see piles of trash and junk everywhere, it frustrates me. Look at the second part of verse 10. Here's what it says. Besides. That there was so much rubble and trash to be removed. They're all discouraged here because of all the piles of trash and rubble around them. Rubble will discourage you. Now I'm not speaking literally, I'm speaking spiritually. Rubble will discourage you. But remember this, rubble will always be a part of our life. Why? Because we live in a world where everything is broken and we can't avoid the rubble. So what do we do? Number one, we must continually clean out the rubble in our life. If we don't, you're going to trip over it and you're not going to make the finish line. Number two, if we don't deal with the rubble, it will take over our life. Listen, our weaknesses are not just weaknesses. They are character flaws that can keep us from God's purposes prevailing in our life. That little cub that is so cute as a baby and you can stick your finger in its mouth. If you keep feeding it, it will grow up to be a lion. And that lion can devour you. I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight this morning but with all the love in my heart you may have your pet little sin and it may stay a pet for a little while but if you keep feeding it that thing is going to grow and if you're not careful oh it's just a little drink it's just a little drug it's just a little this it's just a little that listen I'm not I'm not here to to condemn you I'm here to challenge you to understand little things that are fed do get bigger And what can look real cute as a cub is not so cute as a lion that can destroy your life. Can I get a witness? Number three, we can't always see the broken stuff in our life, but others can see it. I don't care if you pray four hours a day. I do care. Thank you for that. But you're still human. That means that you can't always see the rubble in your own life. You have blind spots. But this is why you need people in your life that can speak honestly to you because they can see it. Here's another cause of discouragement. We feel like we've bitten off more than we can chew. I want you to look at verse 10 again, the bottom of that verse. Now we realize that we cannot finish this wall. What are they doing? Here's another common uh, calls for discouragement, they're now feeling like a failure. They're feeling incompetent. They're discouraged. We bit off more than we can chew. We just simply can't do this. We should have never started this project. What happened? They lost their confidence. And that's probably happened to you. If it hasn't, live long enough and it will. When we have a dream, brothers and sisters, at some point, the devil's going to whisper in our ear and tell us, who do you think you are attempting this? But that's the wrong question. Let's not build our life on what we think we can do. Let's build our life over what we think our God can do through us. Here's what I found out. Here's the difference between successful and unsuccessful people. Successful people see failure as a temporary setback. Unsuccessful people see failure as a mark against their character. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to say this as kindly as I can to all of us, myself included. We all need to get over ourselves because nobody succeeds at everything. I have met very few five talented people that were incredible at five things. Most people I meet are good at two to three and many are good at only one and God doesn't love us any less. We just need to understand where our strengths are and where our weaknesses are. And we need to get over ourselves and don't think that we have to be good at everything because no one is. Find your lane. Find your purpose. This is what God called me to do. I am not good, ladies and gentlemen. I cannot do what most of you can do. I can't do it. I, I wasn't designed to do it. It doesn't make me less. It doesn't make you greater. It doesn't make me greater. It doesn't make you less. It means that the best pitcher in baseball, whoever he is, cannot defeat a high school team by himself. He needs somebody on first, second, and third. He needs a shortstop. He needs somebody in the outfield. We need other people in our life in order to help us across the finish line. You can't do it. By yourself. Look at verse 12. Here it is. Then those who live closest to the enemy kept reporting over 10 times. We're going to attack you from every direction. Here's another cause of discouragement. It's called fear. Fatigue. Feeling like a failure. And fear will cause you to be discouraged. You may not know this. You may. But fear is a spirit. All right. Just as fear is a spirit, I can show you in your Bible where faith is a spirit. It's in there. Here's the deal. What spirit are you allowing to rest upon you and in you? Because fear, if you're fearful this morning, that is a spirit from the enemy. To discourage you, to get you to step back, to get you to question yourself, to get you to say, you can't do this. Who you think you are that you think you can do this? Fear is a spirit. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, it has been released in America. Again, I don't know how far I'm going to get. I'm just going to talk to you out of my spirit. I'm telling you, the spirit of fear is so strong in America. There are people that are almost afraid to step out of their houses. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I feel the anointing on me right now. Now I don't want to jump off in the left field. I want to stay in the Bible. But here's what I want to tell you. I love America. I appreciate our government. I appreciate the US dollar. But listen to me. I can prove in my Bible that while the Egyptians were getting all of the plagues, the people in Goshen were not experiencing that. Listen. Mm, help me, sweet Jesus. The US, the USA is not my source. Now I know that's easy for me to say and it may get a lot more tougher for us to live it out but God is my source and though I thank God for the U.S. economy I believe God's got his own economy and I believe the scripture says he's never seen the righteous forsaken and he's never seen their seed begging bread. I am not going to live in a state of fear. I'm not going to do it. I've made a choice. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to, just talk to you out of my heart this morning. Some of you precious people, one of the best things you can do is cut off the media because it's all fear-based. I'm not saying put your head in the sand and not know what's going on in your world, but I'm going to tell you something. Six hours is probably feeding your fear. Feed your faith. I am what he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I can have what he says I can have. So if you're fearful this morning, God didn't give that to you. Can I get a witness? Okay. Here's the next thing I want to say to somebody because I love you. I want you to think about this. Samson lost his beauty. He lost his strength. He lost his anointing. He lost his purpose because he hung out with one wrong person. Oh, my God, I love you, but I wish I could come to some of you and get in your grill. It's not a drug that took him down. It wasn't a drink. It wasn't the golden nugget. What do you mean by that? The casino It wasn't the casino that took him down. He didn't shoot nothing in his veins. He didn't drink anything. He had one problem and one problem only. He hung out with the wrong person. What are you saying? I'm saying that when there are people that are negative in your life, you need to learn how to very kindly and sweetly begin to back out of that. Oh, I'm going to change them. Baby, I'm sorry. You can't change nobody but yourself. I am very aware who I pull around me because I don't want to be with negative Nancy. I know negativity goes on, but I don't want to be fed that. I'm not gonna hang around with negative people. That's a choice. I'm gonna love them. I'm gonna pray for them. But they can drag you down. Always, it's always something wrong with the pastor, something wrong with the church, something wrong with this, something wrong with that. Never, I mean, they're the only perfect person in the world. Come on, somebody. Y'all wanna leave now or you want me to finish? It fires me up. Yes, sir. You know, your, your problem, some of your problems is not a drug, it's a person. You got to love some people from a distance. I'll pet a dog, but I ain't going to go up and pet no wolf. They can look a lot alike, but they got two different natures. I'm going to buy my own tape today. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Now let me talk about the cure real quick. What is the What is the cure for fatigue? It's called rest. You don't hear this in many Pentecostal churches because all you hear is do more, do more, do more. But your pastor who loves you very much understands that you are three parts, your spirit, soul, and body. And there are different things that you need to do for each part. So I rest, I rest and I exercise for my body. I read for my mind and I pray for my spirit. Do you understand, sweet brothers and sisters, that rest is in the Ten Commandments? It's right up there with thou shalt not commit adultery, and thou shalt not steal, and thou shalt not lie, and thou shalt not murder. Do you understand that God said on one day out of seven, I want you to rest? It's called the Sabbath. Why? Because your best deserves rest. Because when you get tired, it's called HALT. It's an acronym. H-A-L-T. When you get hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, then you're susceptible You need to be aware of that. I'm preaching good even if you don't amen me. Hmm. Number two, Hmm. that sounded arrogant. I'm sorry. I I do not ever want to be that. Number two, discover what, what is the rubble in your life. I'm not talking about actual trash now. I'm talking about what are the weaknesses in your life. What makes you most vulnerable to anger, to pride, and to lust? We need to know what the devil uses to work on us. Now, you can look so sweet this morning. You're all dressed really nice, but I know human nature. Every one of you struggle with something. It's either lust, it's pride, it's anger, it's something. It's that iniquity that you go back and back again and ask God to forgive you. Taking you back, taking you back, taking you back. It's that iniquity that you inherited from your, gener- from your father's father. What is that? What is our fundamental temptation? You need to know what yours is. So a cure for failures is to reinforce our weak areas. I want you to look at Nehemiah 4 and 13. I'm going to make this make sense. It's what Nehemiah is saying. He's speaking here. I stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable places of the wall. You need to know what is your most vulnerable temptation and weakness. Because when we have a goal, when we have a dream, we're going to have opposition. Brothers and sisters, you have an enemy, the devil, and he doesn't want you nor I to get across the finish line. You need to understand that when you have a goal, a vision or a dream, you've got opposition. And discouragement doesn't mean that we're doing the wrong thing. It may mean we're doing it the wrong way. You say, OK, pastor, then what do I need to do? Well, instead of giving up, let's get healthy. Are we deep in debt? You deep in debt today, then reorganize your budget. You out of shape? Reorder your lifestyle. Your eating habits not good, you have the power to change that. Are you overstressed and reorganize your time? We may need to eliminate some things. You need to learn to say no. It's a powerful word. No, I can't do that. Why? Because that's I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Why? Because that's that's not in my wheelhouse you got to let go of the rest so you can grab hold of the best can i get a witness okay look at verse 13. nehemiah speaking again i stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable place and then at the most exposed places i assigned people By families. This is very important. I'm going to give you a cure for discouragement. Here it is. You ready? You and I all need support from our spiritual family. I know some of you think you can make it by yourself. You are believing a lie. I have a support group, there are about four. There's about three people, I could give you their names, in this room right now that are my personal encouragers. They're constantly texting me and encouraging me. I've got a couple of friends that are encouragers. And here's what I have found out. I have never had one person come to me and say, Pastor, you need to back off. You're just encouraging me way too much. It's like I've OD'd on encouragement. (laughs) I know y'all see me up here and y'all think I don't have a care in the world. I'm glad you think that. But I'm going to tell you something. I need encouragement. You need encouragement. We all need encouragement. And that's why we're part of a family, the body of Christ. If you don't have a small group around you, you need to start praying and asking God. God, put the right people in my path that are going to love me, that are going to pray for me and encourage me. You know why? (laughs) Because all of you have watched Discovery and you have seen how the lion works. The lion gets the weakest gazelle and he gets it away from the herd you know why because he wants it for lunch Here's why I get concerned about some of you. When you miss one week, then it's easier to miss two. And when you miss two, it's easier to miss three. And when you miss three, it's easier to miss four. And then before long, you're missing all the time. And you don't even realize the enemy is trying to separate you from the herd. And you think I can make this by myself because I got 30 years of experience. I love you, but I'm gonna tell you something. The enemy never takes a vacation. He wants you to not finish the finish line. And your pastor who loves you very much says, I want all of us to go to heaven together. You need somebody in your life. Am I helping anybody? Okay, I got to wrap this up. Look at Nehemiah 4 and 14. Nehemiah says this. I hope it comes up on the screen. Aware of their anxiety, I stood up and I said... Do not be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and awe inspiring. What's Nehemiah doing here? He's trying to get the people's mind off of their discouraging troubles. And he's trying to get them to remember how great is your God. This is not a cliche. This is what I believe. God's power is all we need. I'm going to say it again. God specializes in the impossible. Let's all get our mind off of what is discouraging us and remember what God is like. Let's all quit replaying all the failures in our life and get our mind on his faithfulness. Even though we've all messed up, let's don't give up. Now look at verse four. Here's what it says. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Now, I don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but as believers, we are engaged in a spiritual warfare. And where is the battle fought? It is fought in our minds. We don't take a literal sword like they did in the Old Testament. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Here's what I would say all the time. Devil, you're a liar. I will not think that thought. I cast that thought down. Why? Because every Every thought is a seed. And if you water the seed, it's going to bear forth a fruit. It may not do it tomorrow. It may not do it the next day. But you better be careful what you think because thoughts are spiritual. And some thoughts that have come into my mind, brothers and sisters, I would never put them on the screen. Because it would be extremely embarrassing. But it didn't come from me. It came from the enemy that is trying to plant seeds in my mind. And it's up to me to water that or to cast it down. I have a choice to make. I have a choice to make I choose I am choosing here today I choose what do you choose by the help and grace of God I choose for the devil to not get the privilege of writing defeated over my life by the helping grace of God, I choose to make heaven my home. By the helping grace of God, I choose not to mess up in my marriage. Now, do I understand when I preach it? The enemy is going to attack me? Yes. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, somebody, let's give God some praise. Would you stand to your feet? The two biggest weapons. If you're with me, say amen. I got to take a pause right here. One pause is we're going to baptize Heather this morning in the name of Jesus. And I'm really excited about that. Heather, sweetie, why don't you go back there and start getting ready for baptism? Here's the next thing I want to tell you. I told Jimmy the other day, I said, Jimmy, I'm not, I don't have a desire to to necessarily look as good as you look. I just, when I get up and preach, I don't want to be sucking wind like I am this morning. So he said, well, pastor, when you're ready to join the gym, I'll be there to help you. So after sucking air this morning, Jimmy, I got to join the gym. Because I'm like Carlton. I, can't, I don't know that I can do 30 push-ups. Here's what I know to all you sweet people. I know the enemy has two main weapons. And it's called discouragement and distraction. Oh, my God. It's called discouragement and distraction. Why? Because he don't want you to reach the finish line. He don't care if you start. He just don't want you to finish. I hope they throw this on the screen. Here it is. Here's the difference. Here's the difference between ordinary people and great people. Great people are not great. They just never give up. What is Winston Churchill's famous speech? It's just a few words. What was it? He just kept saying it to his people in England. Never, 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 never,
1: never, never give up.
0: I know I'm preaching to somebody today. The scripture tells me though a righteous man falls. Seven times. It's not how many times you fall. It's how many times are you willing to get back up. (laughs) Y'all, I know you're ready to go, but my God, it's in me. See, I don't have a problem with anybody coming to this altar. I don't care how many times you come, just keep coming. one day you're going to get a breakthrough and you're going to get a deliverance and your life is going to totally be transformed and then you're going to be able to have compassion on somebody else because you know how long it took you to get to where you got that's why I keep saying to all you precious people please don't judge somebody because it's not your weakness well, they just need to quit that. They just need to get over that. They just need to get that out of their mouth. They just need to get, get, get... I promise you, there's not a person standing that you don't struggle with something. You may struggle with your mouth. You may not struggle with a drug, but you may struggle with your mouth. And before you know it, you've already spewed it out, things you should have never said. I want to ask y'all a question. How many of you have ever been to the beach? How many? Let me see. Have you ever watched the tide? When the tide goes out, what do you see? See driftwood, see trash, see all kinds of things, right? But here's what we know about the beach. The tide's going to roll back in. Right? It rolls out and it rolls back in. Right now, there are people in this room that the tides rolled out you're discouraged. God wouldn't have had me preach this. And you see the trash and the rubble and the driftwood and it all looks ugly. But if I can somehow convince you, don't quit. Don't give up. The season is going to change. And I don't know when, but I see a finished building and I'm going I'm to just keep prophesying. One day if God tarries before 2030, we're going to have 600 people in that building that are disciples and becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. Because we're not putting millions of dollars into that building to say, look what we've done. We're investing millions of dollars so it can be a safe place for whomsoever will let them come. I don't know where you are. I just know what the Lord spoke to me. Many of you are discouraged and pastor wants to come alongside you and just encourage you this morning. Don't quit. Don't quit on your marriage. Have I wanted to quit on my marriage? Yes, I have. The truth be known. But thank God I didn't. Are there times that I wouldn't have been here on this stage had I not been pastor? Yeah. You mean the only reason why you came is because you were pastor? Yeah. There's been times I've done it. Most of the time I do it out of delight, but there have been times I've come here out of duty. But the good news is I'm not a quitter. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Nathan. I'm not born a quitter. I want my prayer leaders, my prayer elders, I want them to come. I want them to step out here, please. Brother David Wilkinson, I want you to come. Larry Nelwyn, I want you to come. Sister June, I want you to come. I want you to come. If one sentence resonated with you today, I want you to lift your hand. Okay. here's what I want some of you to do I want you to step out of your pew and I want you to come and let these prayer elders lay hands on you and I'm going to give them instruction I want you prayer elders just to simply pray Lord give them strength to run the race we can't quit now Everybody in this house, would you so kindly, if you're a believer, lift up your hands and start talking to the Lord. Everybody, this is Heather Elter, E-T-L-E-R, Heather. Heather hasn't been coming very long and most of you don't know Brother Chris, but Brother Chris actually was coming to church in the old building and just, you know, had a little rough go, like all of us, but he's making his way back. Chris is dating Heather and Heather has never been baptized in the name of Jesus. But Heather, I believe that God is doing a work in your life. I believe you feel something a little different. I believe that. And these young men are her boys and they're here this morning. And Heather, it's not a matter where you come from. It's not a matter of what you've done. It's not a matter of how long you've done it. You may be a saint. It's just, I don't know you. But I'm going to tell you something. That's all in the past. And today you are being buried with Christ and you are being raised to newness of life as you cut the covenant with Jesus. Heather's never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we've talked about it. She's open to it. Heather, when you come up out of this water, I want you to raise your hands. And I just want you to ask God for everything he's got for you. Okay? Because everything he's got is a gift. He does nothing to hurt you. Everything he gives us is to help us. The power of the Holy Spirit helps us over sin. It helps us over our stinking self. Heather, I'm proud of you today, girl. Take your hand, hold your nose. Take your other hand and place it on this one. Carlton is going to baptize you, Heather, on the confession of your faith and the obedience to God's command. We now baptize you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the remission of all your sins. Heather, just lift your hands. What you're feeling right now is the power of the Holy Spirit, girl.